This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is 321. The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Thank you very much for joining. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. We had a day here yesterday in New York City, at least until about 5 p.m. It was so gorgeous, it didn't feel real. Uh, It was really, it was an incredible day here in the Big Apple. It's like 75 degrees. It was just amazing. Today it's gotten a little colder. I hope it was nice wherever you are and you are ready for the final stretch here of election 2016 i've got some other things to discuss i will promise you that i will work in as much national security and other stories of interest and just other segments here on radio as i possibly can that don't just all revolve around the polls but uh it's going to be a fair amount of election talk it's going to be a fair amount of that um we have Something of a bombshell dropping on Friday when we were doing our show, our Halloween show. I know today is Halloween. In fact, the uh, the parade in the village, um, uh, the parade in the village that's sort of famous here in the city happens, I think, tonight. Yeah, it happens tonight. Uh, but we did our Halloween show on Friday. I trust you enjoyed all that. There was some news on Friday, though. There was something that happened. Uh, there was something that happened that is going to affect all of the discussions this week, and I think we can all understand is going to be uh, a a major topic of discussion really until Election Day, no matter what. Uh, The the short version, and we'll uh, we'll get into some of the details here today. The short version is Anthony Weiner's laptop, or his computer, rather, I don't know if it's a laptop, but I assume it's probably a laptop. Was also used by Huma Abbott. Anthony Weiner is under investigation for uh, sending illicit messages to an underage girl. Uh, They're looking at him for all kinds of uh, sort of possible impropriety along those lines. Uh, Illegality uh, of of a very serious kind. And FBI investigators came across Huma Abedin emails. FBI investigators uh, investigators 
found what could be relevant to the investigation of Hillary Clinton and her email server. And James Comey sent a letter to Congress on Friday letting them know that there could be more stuff. This has created a storm. People are absolutely, um, absolutely apoplectic on the Democrat side about the possible implications that this has for the election, right? This is something that they are freaking out about because even if it turns into nothing, and and look, I actually am of the mind that it's very unlikely that there will be any kind of, um, there'll be any kind of consequence for Hillary Clinton in a legal sense that comes out of these emails. I I just don't see it happening. What are they going to find? They've already found classified. They've already found plenty of evidence of, corruption and impropriety that they have decided not to prosecute but it causes a political headache for hillary clinton in the short term and in the short term that's all that really matters because of course as you know the election is next week so that's what is really at issue here for hillary clinton it's the political calculation rather the political damage that can be done to her campaign as a result of all of this that's where I think we find ourselves in a situation where the Clintons or that's that's how we find ourselves in the situation right now we're in in which the Clintons um, in which the Clintons are embattled temporarily. The, the news cycle is something that they've been dominating for weeks. Hillary Clinton has had just this endless parade of female accusers uh, <clears throat> trotted out against uh, against. Donald Trump, and now Hillary is on defense. Now Hillary is in a position where all of a sudden she finds herself having to answer questions, perhaps, if the media is willing to answer them, which I'm, I'm not sure they really are. But underneath all this, and I, I don't, I get, I'm, I'll put it out there, I don't think it's likely that Hillary Clinton is going to lose the election because of this. I still don't think that's likely, although there are some very preliminary polls making their way around social media. It's all a big perception fight now, right? The propaganda battles are raging on. And there's a very there's certainly a perception out there that well this could affect things. This could have a real impact. Uh, at least people are trying to present that as a as a possibility. So um I have to say the the thing for Hillary Clinton that is really much more at issue here, I think, is that she feels betrayed. She feels like she's been betrayed. Now, how, how can that be? You're probably thinking to yourself, as anybody would hearing that, Hillary Clinton betrayed the trust of the American people. Uh, Hillary Clinton is, um, you know, Hillary Clinton is somebody who, has no honor or integrity. How could she feel betrayed? And it's because the machine has supposed to be on, has supposed to have been on her side this whole time, and now there was a little a, a blurt, a change of pace, a malfunction, a little yelp of protest from inside the machinery, from inside the bureaucracy. Remember, Democrats are the party. Of the bureaucracy, we've seen the numbers on federal government employees and how much money they give, or rather what percentage, I should say, even more importantly, of federal government employees give to the Democratic Party. 
Hillary has had an expectation all along that because of whom she is, she will get special treatment from DOJ. She will get special treatment from the FBI. And she has received that. What this latest episode where Comey tells Congress that there are emails that have turned up on in in a completely separate investigation. I mean, what are the chances? This is like the lightning bolt. Uh, You know, this is out of nowhere. When Comey speaks up and says this, now we hear all of the cries of outrage from the Democrats and from the left. We were told for a long time that Jim Comey, and this was all you had to really know, is that he was um, far too well liked by politicians for everything to just be based in the reality of his record, right? There had to be some political component to all of this. They used to love Comey. Remember that. They would say that he was so honest and full of integrity, and it was like a competition between Comey and, as I say, Paul Ryan for America's number one Boy Scout. Play clip one. There was an extensive, as you know, Brett, investigation by the FBI under the direction of a wonderful uh, and tough career public servant, Jim Comey. This is a great man. We are very privileged in our country to have him uh, be the director of the FBI. No one can question the integrity, the competence. And he's somebody with the highest uh, standards of integrity. I'm going to continue to be scrupulous about not commenting on it just because I think Director Comey could not have been more exhaustive. Could not have been more exhaustive. He was the best. Oh, Jim Comey was fantastic. He was beyond reproach. Until now. Now you have Harry Reid among the dirtiest and most unethical politicians in the country. Harry Reid saying that his office believes that Jim Comey violated the Hatch Act, which would be a, it would be a criminal violation. And the Hatch Act has to do with federal government employees influencing an election. Something I'm familiar with because when you're in the CIA, even if, if you made a joke about one party or another, some... Always some leftist, some Democrat would whine about the Hatch Act. You know, it's a Hatch Act violation. No sense of humor, of course. It's not a Hatch Act violation. And I actually agree with some others out there, including our friend Andy McCarthy, who says this, this internal guidance from DOJ, it's sort of a set of guidelines that DOJ operate, operates under. It's not by any means a, um, uh, a law that they don't want to take action that could affect an election. I disagree with this notion. If they should move with a criminal case, with a criminal investigation, like any other criminal investigation. And I'll talk to you about an instance in the past where they certainly were willing to do that. Now it's different. Now it's different because there's a Democrat that they think can win the White House. But generally speaking, generally speaking, they tell us that this is not the way it's supposed to go. Well, first of all, I disagree with that. And second of all, don't the American people. What would it mean if Comey suppressed evidence or suppressed news of this investigation until after the election? That would be more transparent government. That would be a better version of the Department of Justice for all to see. I don't think so. He can't sit on this. And I think that at some level, and this is what's coming out now, by the way, and this is why I think Hillary feels betrayed by the machine there are people inside all of this, uh, all this bureaucratic apparatus who are just disgusted, disgusted by what's going on here because they know Hillary's received special treatment all along. They know this has been 
a highly politicized investigation and the integrity of the FBI has been impugned, has been maligned as a result of how this has gone gone down. And the DOJ is just full of little partisan hacks who are doing everything they can to throw some sand in the gears, to slow things down, to do whatever is necessary to make sure that no, not just charges, but no politically damaging situations arise for Hillary Clinton. Right? That's been the case all along, and now there's all this reporting coming out. Finally, with the election so close, there are people, it seems, who are willing to, perhaps just anonymously, but to speak out, who had been inside this, uh, who had been inside this investigation, to say, yeah, look, the Department of Justice, the DOJ, the prosecutors, not the investigators, remember, FBI, the investigative arm, DOJ is where the prosecutors reside. So when we talk DOJ, we're talking to the people that make the decision whether or not to bring charges. And they're also involved in some of the investigative efforts, at least you know, proving, uh, proving certain aspects of it. They were slow walking this whole thing. They were disinterested in this whole thing. They believe that the corruption, uh, the corruption issues with Hillary Clinton were completely overstated. They weren't buying it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to talk about it. And people in the FBI who do this all the time were flabbergasted. They were sitting around thinking to themselves, you got to be kidding me. We're just going to treat this like she's completely different. We're going to treat this like she's some sort of special case. We're really going to do that? And the answer was yes. Yes, they were. So there has been something of a miniature revolt inside the apparatus of government. Hillary has always been able to count on it to help her. But there are a few voices inside, it seems, that weren't willing to just go quietly along on the Clinton train. There were a few that just felt like getting dragged into the disgusting ethical sewer of Clintonianism was too much. And so now Hillary is outraged, of course. The information is out there. Will this change the election? Will it result in criminal charges? I don't know. I think the answer to both those questions is probably not. Which, by the way, speaks really poorly to the judgment and character of the American electorate. Speaks very poorly to the way that we pick our politicians. We have the future president of the United States, possibly, still under investigation. Keep in mind, there's really two concurrent criminal investigations into Hillary Clinton. One for corruption and the other for mishandling of classified information, which falls under national security statutes. Another side note, I think, that's fair to bring up. Huma Abedin, who is her closest aide, married to Anthony Weiner. I mean... I would like to know more about Ms. Ms. Abedin's judgment on a whole host of matters. That they're sharing this computer seems interesting as well. That's just something of a surprise. But they say 650,000 emails are now in play. Also, a tremendous number. How do they get that? I need more details. I can't assess the damage that this will do to Hillary Clinton other than the initial implications of... There's more stuff. We don't know if they're new. We don't know how damaging these emails are. We don't know what's in them. 
But we do know a few things, a few things that we'll talk a bit more about coming up here in a few in, in minutes. We know that the FBI was restrained by DOJ, by a politicized Department of Justice that did not want to pursue, particularly on the Clinton incorporated corruption, on the Clinton foundation stuff, the pay to play accusations. It's come out now. By the way, we've known this all along, and this is sort of like what, what the WikiLeaks revelations have been doing, too. We've known this, but now we we can prove it or now we've got evidence. We've sort of known Deep down what's going on, but we weren't able to say beforehand exactly this person or that person can support the allegation or we have this evidence or that evidence. So the DOJ was slow walking this whole thing and and really trying to trying to pump the brakes at every opportunity. We'll find out more, by the way, as we look into the details of this, you'll see that this was a this was a sham all along. They were going through the motions with kid gloves. They were not going to bring charges against Hillary Clinton. They were not interested in pursuing a real corruption investigation. Now we know all of this. The question is, do the American people care enough to do something about it? I still don't think that the government's going to do anything about it. We'll talk more about this. We'll go into a break. 888-900-3393, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to the Buck Sexton Show. So the FBI has gotten uh, warrants, or has gotten a warrant for the newly discovered emails in this Clinton probe. You've got Harry Reid's office. Remember, Harry Reid's the same guy who said Mitt Romney had never paid ta- hadn't paid taxes in ten years. Just a, a blatant lie, an outright fabrication. Nothing to that whatsoever. Harry Reid never apologized. In fact, I believe later on. When he was asked about that, uh, he said, well, he didn't win the election, did he? I mean, it was clear it was just a smear. It was a smear from Harry Merchant, who, uh, Harry Reid, um, who, uh, <laughs> it was smear merchant. I had an O'Reilly moment there, uh, does things like that. And I, I think that there is a part of all of this that's going on right now that really is just the, the FBI trying to claw back some of the lost uh, prestige that it had as, a, as an institution that most Americans generally think is, is on the up and up. You know, the feds, the FBI, they're, they, they, they're by the book. They do it right. That's supposed to be the reputation. And I think still with you know, drug traffickers and human smugglers and et cetera, et cetera, I, I think that's still the case. But when it comes to corruption probes, it does seem like there are two sets of laws there are two sets of rules it does seem like there are distinctions um, that can be made here and we've seen this with the Clinton with the Clinton Foundation investigation we've seen this with the way that they treated her uh, on the national security investigation side of things too it's just always always a special set of rules for the Clinton uh, for the Clinton camp always and someone in the FBI either decided that it was just too much. I mean, I guess this would have to be Comey. Maybe it finally got to him that everybody thought that he was in Hillary's pocket and he just, before the election, wanted to kind of just drop a little bit of 
A little bit of ink in the punch, if you know what I mean. Just sort of say, you know what? I'm going to balance the scales a little bit here. I bailed Hillary out. It looked terrible. I want everybody to know that she's still sketchy. Maybe that's what happened. Or maybe some other people in the FBI pressured him to do so. And this could all just be also a, a sort of effort to repair the FBI's tattered reputation, essentially by saying or pulling together Uh, this information and making it look like they're not doing the bidding of Hillary before the election. Will it work? I I don't know. Uh, Again, we don't know what's in these emails. It's very hard for me to go too far beyond. And we won't know for a few weeks. So we have to assess in light of the election what we know right now. And it's not good for Hillary. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Phone lines are uh, phone lines are open, 888-900-3393. What do you think about the bombs that dropped on Friday, the bombshell that dropped on Friday. Well, I guess bomb, bombshell, same idea. Marty in Washington State, what's up? Uh, good morning, Buck. Um, first time caller to your show, but I've been listening for a long time, and I um, I value your opinion on a lot of different things. And, and one thing I wanted to get your opinion on this morning was um, back in July when Director Comey came out and basically laid out a case of indictable offenses that were committed by uh, Secretary Clinton, um, and then in the same breath says, well, we're not going to prosecute because there was no intent. Now, I spent 20 years in law enforcement on a municipal level, uh, and I know your law enforcement background also puts you in that uh, capacity, but also with federal government. I'm wondering, based on, on what you know about the federal government, is it really the 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 um, job of an investigating agency to determine whether or not there is intent or any other element of crime? Isn't that purely on the back of of a prosecutor, or in this case, would be the Department of Justice and um, uh, the Attorney General Loretta Lynch? 
Yeah, yeah. This is this is a situation that I think right when it happened, I said this, and I believe we've had Andy McCarthy on, and I'm sure you've probably heard from some other uh, former career prosecutors that the decision not to bring the, the decision whether to bring charges or not is a prosecutorial one, not an investigative one. The investigators can make recommendations. FBI can recommend a DOJ. And sure. I think in most cases, the FBI is probably going to – the FBI's recommendation carries a lot of weight, I, I assume, although I don't know what the numbers are, and I'm, I'm guessing they're not public, that when the FBI says, you know, we, we get, you got a strong case here, take it, most of the time the DOJ goes with it. So Comey stepped in and sort of stepped in front of that role. Um, he stepped in and decided that he was going to be uh, the guy who – made it seem like Loretta Lynch wasn't the one who very clearly uh, was bailing out Hillary Clinton, right? So he sort of took a lot of the heat off of the DOJ decision to not indict. Uh, and and that's and that seems strange, right? Why do that? Comey's done a couple of strange things here. But I, I'm not as uh, I, I'm not as pro Comey as a lot of other people and I haven't been for a long time, mostly because of his role in the uh, with with Patrick uh, by appointing Patrick Fitzgerald in the uh, in the leak case that involved Scooter Libby, um, it was I guess you could say you know they, they needed to appoint a special prosecutor there and he went with Fitzgerald who has a, a history in my opinion of uh, grandstanding and and very sort of politicized activity but uh, and and did a was absolutely trying to get somebody in Cheney's office and it was political payback and it was gross. So I'm not somebody who thinks that Comey has always been playing it so so straight and down the middle. Other people do. I just think it's funny to watch the Democrats now changing their mind on a, on a whim about Comey. Now all of a sudden he's violating the hatchet. Now all of a sudden he's a criminal. You know, right. Now all of a sudden he's doing bad things. And, and so, yeah, well, go ahead. The, the one thing that I thought was extremely odd was the timing, not only of of Director Comey in July saying those things, but also the timing in which. Um, Loretta Lynch had this, what could be considered highly unethical uh, meeting with with uh, Bill Clinton, although it was not arranged by her, and I don't think she wanted anything to do with it. Um, but it just seemed to me like Director Comey was kind of falling on the sword on behalf of the Department of Justice to not look like there was going to be any collusion on, on uh, her part with Bill Clinton. And kind of deflecting that and taking the weight of, of whether or not to prosecute upon the uh, the FBI. And, and, I mean, it would be like me doing a, a murder investigation and saying, well, yeah, the, hus- the, the wife shot the husband um, because he was being, uh, um, uh, was cheating on her, but she didn't mean to do it, so we're not going to prosecute. You know, that, you know, the, 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 well, the, 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 there's a gross negligence component that's written into the statute for mishandling of classified and, and with, with Hillary, even if there was no intent, there could be, you know, gross negligence would I think come into play. And that's mm-hmm. why when she starts saying things like, I don't know, uh, what C means in these, in these bodies, these paragraphs, of course, it means, uh, it, it means confidential. Um, I, I don't understand what this stuff, you know, all that, all the sort of obfuscation that Hillary was doing around this. Uh, it doesn't really matter when you're secretary of state. You have to know you need to know these things. You are responsible for these things and you're responsible for being able to recognize classified information when you see it and not to 
uh, have it on an unsecured server. You know, for normal people, they see classified on, on an unclassed server and they have to report it to security and it, be, you know, it becomes a big issue. It's, it's not like you just see it. You're like, ah, this time I'll let it slide. Uh, so she saw it over and over again and didn't care. Uh, that's the bottom line. And right. so, so the, even if you want to uh, put an in- intent statute in there, uh, or not intent statute, an intent component in the statute, which doesn't exist, by the way. Although I do believe, and this is where I kind of speak, you know, I have to take uh, a couple of different sides of this or rather come at this from a few different angles. I do believe that intent uh, should be a part of all criminal statutes and also unless and gross negligence can come into play, too. So, yeah, FBI was playing a political role here. And now they're I think people have whiplash because it feels like they've gone a little bit in the opposite direction. And, you know, it's it's a very it's a very it made this last or made this week a lot more interesting. And I think it would be otherwise in the, in the, in the political <laughs> you got side. That right. Yeah. All right, man. Marty, great. Thank you for listening and great. To, uh, great to have you call in. I appreciate it. Uh, let's take Watson in Florida. Watson, you're on the Buck Sexton show. Hey, Buck, what's up? Uh, yeah. Shield hey. tie, brother. Shield tie. I just wanted to make a comment how um, I'm with you. Uh, WikiLeaks could have dumped anything in the world, and it wouldn't have made a difference. And as much as you war game the situation, I, I, I love the fact that I'm pleasantly surprised to wake up this morning and hear the Diane Reem show and Democrats jumping over themselves to, to basically contradict themselves from a month ago, two weeks ago. And if you thought this was um, – I mean, could it have – could it – is this the only thing that really could have happened that, to make a difference? I mean, WikiLeaks wouldn't have made a difference, but now that, that everybody gets to see the Democrats basically eat themselves from 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 the inside out being 110 percent contradictory and and just baseless, just showing their 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 absolute no moral character and even standing by their own position on Comey and everything that uh, that that this will actually make a difference where WikiLeaks really couldn't have. And lastly. Um, I just love the fact that the last week of this election, which has been horrendous, I get to hear the names Hillary Clinton and Anthony Weiner in the same conversation like numerous times. I finally get to laugh. Yeah, well, she's uh, it's that the possibility, Watson, that Anthony Weiner's uh, illicit online activities, which have been well chronicled. Now, it's just a question of whether they cross over into uh, into serious criminality. Uh, but that that may cost Hillary Clinton the election. You couldn't make this up. If you were writing a screenplay, if you were coming up with a concept for a movie or or a plot line in a show, and you said a presidential election is going to uh, is going to go the other way, and that you know the the leading contender for the presidency could lose the election because some guy is sending whatever he's sending on the internet out to out to women, including possibly underage women. And that then comes into a completely separate investigation. I mean, people would say, no way. I mean, when you think about it, that says, nobody would believe that, right? Hey, come on. It's going to cost somebody the election right before the election. This comes up. Stranger yeah. than fiction, my friend. I hear you, brother. Yeah, man. All right, Watson Shields High. Thanks for calling in. So, yeah, that's that's where all this is. Um, it's uh, It's astonishing. I sit here and... Uh, I sit here and think to you or say to you that this situation, you couldn't make it up. And on the how do Democrats, how do Republicans get treated side of all this, by the way, I wanted to point out that um, I wanted to point out 
that you look at the Ted Stevens prosecution, not talked about that much in the media, doesn't get a lot of play. There you had DOJ prosecutors who were failing in their ethical obligations as lawyers, as as prosecutors, as members of the Department of Justice, as federal government employees, time and again, and intentionally. They hid, this is for Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska. If you don't know the case and you got a few minutes, just do a quick Google on it. I'm telling you, it will make your blood boil. They had the public integrity section of the Department of Justice, PIN of the DOJ. I guess they call it PIN maybe, but whatever, PIN, public integrity. And they're the people that go after corruption. And there's like, I read an article that said there's like 40 lawyers or something like that, 30 or 40 lawyers that are, that's all they do, public corruption cases. And they decided they were going to go after Ted Stevens, who had taken, uh, I think it was uh, $250,000 of renovations on his house. And there was a letter. There was a letter where he said, you got to let me know. We got to do this properly, where he sort of sent it to the person that was responsible for these renovations on his house in Alaska. So we got to do this properly. Letter of the law, all that stuff. So send me send me a bill. That's what he said. Send me a bill. And his wife was paying bills at the time, and he lived in D.C., and they then brought forward this guy who got immunity, I believe, if memory serves, who said that that was all just a sort of a cover-his-butt move, and he was never going to pay the bill. What's interesting is that the DOJ put that guy on the stand to criminally indict, and he, he was initially convicted on seven counts, all of it overturned and thrown out, by the way, or all of it rather vacated. The DOJ is like, sorry, this was, let's, just, let's just pretend this didn't happen. Because the same individual had lied twice previously to the FBI and said, yeah, he, he was going to he, he was he thought he was going to pay for this stuff, which means that it wouldn't. It just meant that it was a guy doing renovations and he was going to pay for it. So he had lied to the FBI previously and prosecutors hid that. Exculpatory evidence and under the Brady rule, which refers back to a case where there was a I think it was an individual was convicted of a murder, even though there was somebody else who had confessed to the murder. And they, and they knew. But they hid it. There is an obligation to turn over, you know, as part of discovery, the, prosecu- the prosecution has to turn over all possibly exculpatory evidence and all evidence that goes towards how severe the punishment should be. Because it's about justice. It's not about convictions. And it's not about political score settling. They cost Ted Stevens. They brought that prosecution while he was in his reelection. They cost him. They cost him reelection. They also, obviously, for you know, cost him his reputation. I'm sure many nights of lost sleep, a tremendous amount of legal bills. They wanted to get him, and they lied, and they cheated, and they violated their oaths to do it. And here's what else you should keep in mind: without Ted Stevens gone, they didn't have, or rather, with Ted Stevens gone, they had sixty filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Makes a big difference when you're trying to get something through like Obamacare. Makes a big difference when you want to enact a statist agenda. So we've seen DOJ prosecutors acting in this fashion in the past. We've seen them do it. And we know they've gone after Republicans in this manner. We know that they have um, stacked the deck to go after targets on the right. And yet here we are. 
with Hillary, they're acting like, oh, this, this would never happen. You never bring charges. You never bring charges during an election unless it's a Republican senator and a supermajority is on the line. Then you bring charges. And then you, you don't just bring charges, by the way. You cheat. You cheat. Those federal prosecutors were cheating. And there's very little in terms of accountability for any of them, I should also add. They can get away with any number of ethical violations and, and any number of, you know, transgressions. Comey is about to become the most hated man by Democrats in the country. He didn't really do anything. It's kind of funny because they loved him a month ago. 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. Brian in North Carolina, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. What's up? Good afternoon, Buck. Got a quick question for you. With all the garbage going on with Hillary, can she get security clearance if she wins the election? Yeah, it, it, you're automatically given clearance if you become president. It doesn't. There's no clearance process. Your clearance is considered the vote of the American people. That's it. Doesn't matter. And that that scares the living daylights out of me. Oh yeah, she's gonna have access to everything. I mean, she'll she'll know whatever she wants to know. So. And and then by by virtue of that, since uh, Uma is her her you know closest help, she's going to have access to. Yeah, I w- I would assume so. It depends on what comes out of this investigation, I think. But yeah, she'll have she'll have a very high level clearance too, and uh, they'll that's just the way it's going to be. I've always wondered also. This is kind of a separate note, Brian, but whether the Clintons have sort of used access to classified for uh, monetary purposes not that they sell classified but that that bill is you know I, I would wonder if people looked into it if he's taken any sort of market positions or has had any ideas that came to him via his very high level access so we'll see uh but brian yeah hillary gets a clearance that's the answer to your question doesn't matter what she's done uh she would get a clear i mean she would still be given the pdb i think even if she was in prison if she was president from prison which would be weird i know but that's the way that we do it in this country. Uh, team, we got hour two coming up. 888-900-3393 on the phones. Much more coming. Stay with me. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. We are joined by John Fun now. He is a columnist for National Review. He's got a piece up right now. Hillary, uh, history repeats a Nixonian cover up in the home stretch of the campaign. John, great to have you. Thanks, Buck. 
All right, John, what's going on here? How is history repeating, and what do you think about all this latest Hillary nonsense? It's not nonsense. It's tragic. Uh, In 1972, Richard Nixon, just before the election, uh, was desperately trying to run the clock out on coverage of Watergate and what was really behind it. And the cover-up succeeded. He won a landslide election against a disorganized opponent who um, vastly outspent. But then the chickens came home to roost, ethically and legally, and he began two years of hell and finally had to be resi- had to resign from office. I fear that Hillary Clinton is engaging in the same kind of Nixonian cover-up. She studied Nixon's cover-up as a junior staffer on the House Impeachment Committee. I think she learned a lot of lessons from that. First lesson was destroy the evidence. Nixon didn't destroy the tapes. She did destroy the emails. And now she's trying to do a Nixon. She's trying to run the clock out and push any questions about the emails after the election. And lo and behold, I think if she becomes president, just like with Nixon, those chickens will be roosting. So even if she is able to see this thing through and let's say she wins on Election Day, uh, you believe that this is going to continue to because because this is going to continue to haunt her. One of the stories or uh, I should say one of the theories that I've heard is that Comey gets this out here now. Uh, thinking that Hillary's in good enough shape, it doesn't really matter. And then once she's once she becomes president, they just sort of quietly put this aside. You're you're not buying that. This is going to continue to be a problem for her, regardless of how election day shakes out. I've I've watched Comey's career for 20 years. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's a bureaucrat. He protects his own posterior. Jim Comey was met with several FBI agents last Thursday. They presented him with the news that they had all of these emails that uh, they weren't able to search, but they wanted to. And he had two choices. If he had said, well, we'll wait, uh, there would have been a leak. And he would have looked awful, and he would have looked even worse. Or you could say, go ahead and take the punishment he's getting from the Clinton people as now suddenly being going from their hero to the devil's rag doll. So you you think that his calculation here was what then? I mean, because people are saying, in other words, if I if I don't if I don't make this public to Congress, and I promised Congress I would update them, and I told Congress that the investigation was closed. If I don't update Congress, this will leak out in the media because the FBI is so up in arms about my original decision. Somebody's going to leak this, so I might if I better release it or somebody else will release it for me. Right. I mean, this the decision to the decision to suppress the information would be every bit as political, you know, as the accusation is, at least that by making it public, he's influencing the election. Right. I mean, this is uh, Andy McCarthy makes this point about how the DOJ guidance is not to affect an election by bringing a prosecution that could have an impact. But by just by doing that, you're weighing in. I mean, this is, you know, it's sort of like not voting is voting. I mean, by by not actually pushing. It is it is not a close call here. Comey, frankly, had no choice because this information was going to leak. Now, back in 1992, when Lawrence Walsh, who worked for the Justice Department, indicted Casper Weinberger, the former defense secretary over Iran-Contra, he did it four days before the election. I don't recall any similar cries of outrage from the same people complaining about Comey. And by the way, that indictment of Casper Weinberger was tossed out and rendered invalid. So it was a bum indictment, and it probably cost George H.W. Bush millions of votes. Bill Clinton celebrated that decision to indict only four days before the election. Do you think that the the real risk here from Hillary—we don't know what's in the emails, and the number, oh, by the yes, way— Oh, yes, we do. 
Oh we, yes, we do. You you know it's in the email, so <laughs> please please share. No, we, we, I I can tell you, uh, there have been technical experts who have looked at the metadata um, and have concluded. And we also know this because, frankly, if there were no classified inf- emails on there, they would not have been able to get uh, Comey to act or a federal judge to issue a warrant because the warrant has to have probable cause. There is classified information on that computer. We don't know what it is. We don't know how much it is. We don't know how classified. But there is classified information on Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin's computer. Okay, but even if there is classified information on the computer, so there Hillary... Is. We, there is there. You cannot have the sequence of events we just had if there's not classified information. They had to have some reason to proceed with this and get a federal judge to give probable cause. There what about what about Clinton Foundation people. corruption, quid pro quo stuff? I mean, that's I entirely, I would think that Huma would be deeper know, in that. But than, entirely possible. And the point is, remember, up until now, we have had no public release of any of the thirty-three thousand emails that were deleted with bleach bit by Hillary Clinton. Some of them were recovered by the FBI. Those have not leaked. But some of them may be in WikiLeaks's folders waiting to be dispatched to the public between now and the election day. So the Clinton Foundation is the big question mark here. There has to be reasons why four FBI field offices were conducting investigations of the Clinton Foundation. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think the Justice Department is so mad. They tried to shut down the Clinton Foundation investigations. They tried to shut down Comey, and they haven't succeeded. This administration this Justice Department, I wrote a book on it um, called Obama's Enforcers. This Justice Department is out of control, and the best evidence of that is Loretta Lynch's secret meeting with Bill Clinton on the airport tarmac in Arizona. That put a stain and tarnished everything that involves this investigation. That's the original sin here. But every, even if there is classified information on whom, I'm sorry, there's classified information you're just saying, on, on whom Abbott's computer, fine. Uh, that wasn't enough to get charges against Hillary in the first place. She had over a hundred on the server, and that was and, and that was classified, classified, not kind of, sort of, maybe, including uh, according to the reports, special access program data, which is very, very highly uh, sensitive. But that wouldn't seem to change the outcome for Hillary, at least from a, a, a criminal sense. Oh, well, if you have a real I think the corruption thing is worse, is what I'm trying to get to here, uh, Jim. You you seem to think that the the classified thing is worse. No, I think think it's both. But remember, it is extremely difficult to prove a quid pro quo uh, between a public official and a favor for a donor. However, it's possible. But the classified information, remember, Huma in June signed statements and made statements saying she had turned over all relevant information regarding the emails. Suddenly we find that in her house is an email device, a computer, with 650,000 emails, many of which are related to the Clinton um, State Department. She lied. Now, I can tell you right now, Huma is in real jeopardy. She needs real good defense lawyers right now. Because let me tell you what they'll do. They will say, Huma, do you want to be indicted and prosecuted, just like Martha Stewart and Scooter Libby were for lying to federal investigators? Or would you like to cooperate and tell us what you finally really know about what happened at the State Department and who did what and who said what? That's I how you do, do it. You squeeze witnesses. But they refused to squeeze witnesses last time. So, so uh, well, that's so John, what I'm saying. why would, I they, why would this, they squeeze witnesses well, this time? 
Well, a because it's all out in the it's all out in public, and I doubt the Justice Department can ex- exercise the same constraints on the FBI as they did before, because now everybody is watching everything and everybody's leaking. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had several leaks from I've had more leaks from the FBI the last forty eight hours than I've had in the last forty eight years. I so mean, the can point you tell is, us some of the interesting things you may have heard from FBI yeah, sources? There is classified information on Huma Abedin's computer. Yes, that I can tell you. Okay, well, see, the this is sources. that's how you're so definitive because they haven't that hasn't been reported uh, publicly yet. So, or at least hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, now, if there is just a real investigation with real prosecutors, that's the, those are the kind of things they will do. Now, should Hillary Clinton lose the election? Well, I can assure you that uh, everything will go full speed ahead. Wow. So you think now for Hillary, this is a question of, I mean, win- winning the this election is not an election. Is sort of like what you see in, in you know, third world countries where the, the ruling regime is terrified that if they, if they don't stay in power or if they don't, you know, if they don't win, they're going to go to prison. Well, this well, is let's, this let's is all or nothing for Hillary. Well, yes. Now, also remember, Donald Trump is not your typical presidential candidate. I mean, very few presidential candidates in American life have said of their opponent, I'm going to put you in jail. Um, Donald Trump is a rather explosive, impulsive individual. Uh, I would not want to get on his bad side. And Trump can certainly, you know, abuse the system. Trump has not shown a lot of, shall we say, respect for the niceties of law or ethical constraints in his own career. But if he wins, yes, Hillary is in the target zone. And so you think that the the there's okay. So I keep saying think, and I know you don't like that because you have a source telling you there's classified. It's classified on the server. The 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 corruption side of things, though. Here's here's my theory that Huma's computer may have escaped the Clinton efforts, which we know were very real. You mentioned bleach bit to destroy the record, to destroy the evidence. So this may be this sort of. You know, the videotape that didn't get uh, thrown in the trash bin. This may be the uh, there, there may be emails on there that the FBI's never seen before. That would seem to be very possible. Uh, highly likely. Many of them were probably duplicates, but it's highly likely there's new material on there. And if Hillary wins, what then happens to this highly to this material? I mean, do you think the, do you think that the Clintons will be able to suppress this if she be, if she wins the presidency, no matter what's on there? I think it depends on a large part on public pressure and public opinion. Uh, I think Congress is going to demand complete briefings from the FBI. I think they're going to haul people up before Congress and ask them to testify under oath. I think they'll call Justice Department people up and ask them to testify under oath. The answer is the cover-up might succeed, or it might, like Richard Nixon, this we come full circle here in 1972, after the election, the cover-up unraveled. All right. Well, John, we're going to keep a close eye on this. John Fun is a columnist for National Review. He's got a piece up right now. History repeats a Nixonian cover up in the home stretch of the campaign on NationalReview.com. You can also follow John on Twitter. What's your handle, John? At John Fund. At John Fund. Straightforward and easy to remember. Fantastic, John. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you, Buck. Uh, team, we will be right back. Buck Sexton. Buck Sexton. Dispensing the truth on the Blaze Radio Network.
Sexton Show. Dave in Pennsylvania, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. Welcome. Hey, Buck. Hey, um, you mentioned uh, Senator Stevens' case. Uh, how about Casper uh, Weinberger? Yeah, that was. I believe uh, we just had John Fun bring that up. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that was that was. A, I think an even more egregious case where it was going after somebody that was innocent of the case of the indictment that they actually brought just for the purpose of tainting uh, George Bush Sr. Oh, of course. Uh, look, this is all you need to know. Are the same people who were saying Comey was 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 beyond was beyond criticism was like the greatest public servant in the history of the FBI a couple of months ago are now turning around and saying James Comey can't be trusted. He broke the law. How could he do this? I and mean, it just goes to show you they're they're just outright uh, partisans. That's all they care about is the pursuit of power for their side. And if that means they have to profane their offices and the powers they're given, they're more than willing to do that. Um, and I, I just I think that you're seeing it's been exposed now. I mean, there are people who really have a sort of mania, a, a kind of a kind of psychosis about how much they think Hillary Clinton needs to win this election. You know, I, I do think there are, and I'm talking about important people, people that are senior in the government, people that are, are big in, in the media. Uh, I wish I could just tell them to chill a little bit, but I can't really. Uh, but they'll do anything. Well, I, and we'll I, talk more about I, some I, of the I, some of the stuff that's come out recently because of WikiLeaks about this. Uh, the the deck is stacked. Yeah, I, I've also got a question on uh, on uh, uh, Anthony Weiner and his uh, security. Um, you know, the fact that that his wife was using the same computer he was using, and. Wiener being in a position of being blackmailed for who knows how many years, uh, how do we know that he hasn't been passing on information or uh, doing some other, you know, you know what security clearances are like. Yeah, I mean, he, he, look, if, like if she has classified on, on her computer, really part of the problem is that if anyone else is accessing that, first of all, it's an unsecure system, so automatically that's a big no-no. But also other people using the system, uh, who, who's, Wiener doesn't have a clearance, Definitely not going to get one now. Uh, you know, that's that's also a problem. Um, but I, you know, John and I were kind of cross-talking a little there, which I didn't mean to happen, but I was trying to get to some points, and he was very vociferous in, in what he wanted to say. I think that the, that the big risk for what's on Abbott's computer, they already have over 100 instances of classified. It didn't mean anything. They, they said what, it's, that doesn't change anything. I don't think the classified on Huma's computer is, uh, is the problem. I think it's some of the Clinton Foundation stuff, which is why she set up the private server in the first place. Right. Some of the stuff that was supposed to get erased and maybe some stuff the FBI never saw about Clinton Foundation business may be on that server. Maybe it's not even criminal, but maybe it's clear enough. Maybe the language used in the exchanges is obvious enough that we see there's a quid pro quo and it's inescapable. And then Hillary is proven to be corrupt, at least in the court of public opinion, in a way that's inescapable. That's what I think the real risk is here. Well, everybody thinks it's a mistake. That's what she's been calling it. And it's not a mistake. This was a deliberate action. It was a very deliberate action. It was a deliberate action yeah. with a... It was a deliberate action taken with uh, certain, uh, you know, certain results in mind. I mean, this is not just something that happened. Uh, Dave, can you hear me? I, I, you're, okay. you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still here. I'm just uh, 
taking it all in, just like me, man. I, I understand. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Uh, Dave and PA, great to talk to you, my friend. Shields high. Um, it's look. I, I saw this, by the way. This is uh, one of my. I, I am a CNN contributor, as you know. I think I'm seeing here that the uh, that WikiLeaks. You know how they've been playing this game about saying, "Well, we can't say whether or not." Uh, the WikiLeaks emails are valid, and I believe, and I don't want to speak out of turn here. I'm trying to make sure that I have the uh, the right sourcing on this. Um, but I, I, it, look, they've been able to sort of dance around this and pretend, yeah, okay, this is from Politico. CNN severs ties with Donna Brazil. Um, Donna Brazil, somebody that I've uh, I've been on TV with before. Um, people always, uh, she generally had a very I don't know. A lot of people said very nice things about her. I found her to be with me uh, rather rude on on a couple of occasions. Uh, that's just and that was on air. I'm just saying. I thought she was rude, uh, so I did not have the experience that some others did. Uh, I'll say that she uh, is no longer a part of CNN uh, as a contributor because of the WikiLeaks emails. So we can now assume they were true, right? We can stop playing this game about whether or not the WikiLeaks emails are legit it wasn't one time it was two times that ms brazil who's currently the chairman a chairwoman of the or she became interim dnc chair over the summer um and now i guess she's on october 14th cnn accepted donna brazil's resignation as a cnn contributor her deal had previously been suspended in july when she became the intern head of the dnc CNN never, never gave Brazil any access to questions, prep material, attendee lists, background information, or meetings in advance of a town hall or debate. We are completely uncomfortable with what we have learned about her interactions with the Clinton campaign while she was a CNN contributor. Um, so, yes, uh, she's, she's gone. So the WikiLeaks emails that we've been told, oh, we don't know it, they're, they're real, guys. <laughs> we, I know you know that, but people are losing their jobs now over this stuff. They're real. Those are real emails. And you had somebody who was a, a really treated like royalty in the Democratic Party. I mean, Donna Brazil is sort of a, a, sort of a very senior, uh, you know, Mandarin, Brahmin, matriarch. You know, think of your word for a, a big, a powerful person. And she was DNC chair. And she was trying to help Hillary. She was literally gaming the system for Hillary. Passing along questions, you know, random questions to make it seem like Hillary was just so on top of everything. That, this is, I mean, this is cheating. But this is what people near the Clintons do. They cheat. They cheat. That's, that's how the Clintons operate. They lie. They cheat. They steal. And they try to crush you if you call them out on it. I want to talk about the internal feuding in the FBI in a second. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, everybody, we're joined now by Kat Timpf. She is a reporter at National Review and a contributor at Fox News. She's also the host of the Kat Timpf Show, which is a new episode airing every Monday on Barstool Sports. Kat, great to have you back. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. 
All right, so it's uh, Halloween today, which means that there are costumes, which means people are upset, and there's a lot of right. anger. There's a lot of hurt feelings out there. What's the latest in mm-hmm. the costume wars and and the sadness and the PC? Oh, I mean, it's 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 pretty much constant, right? It, uh, it's absolutely always constant. I mean, it, last week we saw you know Tufts University, basically you know students being warned that the police might get involved if, you know, the campus police, if the costumes are too offensive. That's the thing that's driven me the most nuts, because even if the name a costume so offensive that it would be illegal, like I don't, uh-huh. that it would actually be illegal. People don't understand, you know, in terms of free speech, just because, you know, if something's offensive, even hate speech is protected by the First Amendment. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not just Halloween. None of these schools understand free speech, hate speech. But, you know, Harambe costumes, not okay. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't dress as anything. If you, if, Wait, you know, why is Harambe is, was a gorilla shot in the zoo because a kid got too close to him in the enclosure? Why are Harambe costumes I, not okay? I don't know. You know, uh, in, in Florida, it was um, the university. Apparently, it's cultural appropriation uh, at Florida State University. But, yeah, exactly. It's not a culture. He's a gorilla who was at the Cincinnati Zoo. That's not a culture. The same poster says, you know, um, animal, any animal's okay. So I guess you could go as a gorilla, but not go as a zombie. I mean, why are we talking about this? Like, why are, why is this such a big deal? You know, it's crazy. Like, when I was in college, I dressed up as all different kinds of things. We all, me and my friends were like, our stuff is stuff. And, like, everyone was like, fine. It was never an issue. And I, I don't understand why it's become this, it's, it's, it's this obsession. What's your, what was your best costume? Um, I don't even know. I went, I, I went as a member of, well, yesterday, I, or, or uh, this weekend, I went as a member of the Donner Party. I'm worried that might have been a little too offensive, but I don't know. A um, member of the Donner Party? I, like the, the cannibal yeah. stuff? Look, I'm into, I'm into, I'm very interested in historical tragedies. Someone also gave me an uh, Edmund Fitzgerald replica for my birthday, and uh, I loved it. Maybe I shouldn't be telling people these things. <laughs> Edmund Fitzgerald, who's that? That's the ship that sank in, um... Uh, in one of the Great Lakes Superior. Oh. Learned about yeah, it in school. I, I was unaware of that. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. No, no that's that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> was this a recent thing? I mean, now we're, we're, we're learning no, a little history. No, no, a long here. time ago. Okay. A long time ago. Just a little history. All right. Good um, Good stuff to know. But, yeah. It's, it's you know, the, the, the costumes at these schools, it's not just like, you can face real consequences for wearing, wearing something offensive. And, um... I just don't understand. If you can talk about appropriation, cultural appropriation, technically anything is appropriation, right? Because if you're dressing up as something else, that's appropriation. So maybe you just don't dress up at all. Yeah, that is that is true. I mean, t- I, I was Ron Swanson at a costume party this weekend, and technically I was appropriating my libertarian friend's ideology, I suppose, So, which is also yeah. a good thing to do in New York if you want to have friends because most people just don't even know what a libertarian is around here, but it, it's not it's not a Republican, so it's okay. Right. Yeah, I, right, exactly. Anything but anything but that. But And, you know, it, it, Halloween used to be fun. You know, I remember it being fun. And, you know... Fun it, is not allowed anymore. Fun is fun is increasingly not, banned. Funny is definitely banned. Anything that's amusing, chances are it offends someone. So funny is banned, unless it's making fun of uh, Republicans, Christians, or white males. Uh, nothing else is ever allowed to be funny. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I mean... Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. 
<laughs> I was going to say, how did Twitter go nuts over a pho recipe? This is a piece you have oh, on National but, Review. Yeah, because it was, it, I, you know, traditionally it's, um, you know, made with the rice noodles. And this New York Times author, uh, or this, this, an article in the New York Times said, oh, you can you make it, uh, but replace the rice noodles, uh, replace the traditional rice noodles with quinoa. And that's cultural appropriation, and they should have just called it vegetable soup, is what everyone's mad about. And people were really, really mad, like really, 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 really mad. I wrote about this in National Review. And it's like, okay, but pho, pho tastes like a different kind of soup than vegetable soup. The broth is a particular flavor. And generally, when people are making or thinking about making a food or, you know, a, a, a dish, they, you know, something that's very important to them is they want to know what it tastes like. So that's the best way to describe it. And he said, you know, traditionally it's made with noodles. He wasn't, like, denying that that's traditionally how it's made. Okay. So, yeah, you can't. And also, was there anything wrong with, like, fusion food? You know? I remember when that was trendy back in the, back in the 90s. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's good. Like, even, you know, I, you know, I go, I go, like, I'm Polish, and I go to this, you know, new hipster pierogi restaurants, and they got, like, jalapenos and pierogies. That's not what I'm used to. But it's Indeed. good. It's yummy. It's yummy. What's the problem? Oh, by the way, uh, what, tell me about the what is the Cat Timf show on Barstool Sports? What do you talk about? Oh, we talk about everything. I mean, sometimes we touch on politics, um, but it's just a huge variety of subjects. I bring a guest on, and we talk about politics, you know, culture. Sometimes it's it a little silly. It's a little more, a little more of a fun show. So I just recorded my uh, episode with uh, my friend Henry, the comedian, and um, that one will be out within the next few hours on. Um, follow cat temp show on twitter um it's for barstool sport all right cool cat temp is a reporter at national mm-hmm. review and a contributor to fox news we just talked about the cat temp show which is barstool sports new episode dropping soon follow cat on twitter at cat temp great to have you thank you so much for having me all right we'll be right back team buck sexton the blaze radio network To the Buck Sexton Show. The team, I wanted to give you some details on the uh, these internal machinations uh, within the DOJ and the FBI that have now come to light as a result of the latest Clinton fiasco. Uh, so, the this is from a Wall Street Journal report. People are talking now, and and this is what was missing before: individuals who have direct knowledge of the DOJ's workings on this, the FBI's working on this, they're talking. And they are uh, speaking to the press in a way that I wish they had a while ago, but maybe they just finally, they, they view this as the opportunity to get on the record about some stuff. And the picture that's painted is one that, again, I've thought all along this was happening, but now we have evidence. Now we're not just surmising, we are connecting dots that, exist. Um, we're putting together a case. So uh, you had a, f- a few a few important things to note from this uh, Wall Street Journal piece on what was going on 
with the investigation of Hillary Clinton's private server. Remember, the server has two comp- the investigation has two components: corruption and classified information. Two separate but uh, two separate investigations, but both tied in with the server. So in February, this is from this Wall Street Journal piece. In February, FBI officials made a presentation to the Justice Department. By all accounts, the meeting did not go well. Some said that is because the FBI didn't present compelling evidence to justify more aggressive pursuit of the Clinton Foundation and that the career anti-corruption prosecutors in the room simply believed it wasn't a very strong case. Others said that from the start, the Justice Department's officials were stern, icy and dismissive of the case. That was one of the weirdest meetings I've ever been to, one participant told others afterwards, according to people familiar with the matter. Anti-corruption prosecutors at the Justice Department told the FBI at the meeting that they wouldn't authorize more aggressive investigative techniques such as subpoenas, formal witness interviews or grand jury activity. But the FBI officials believed they were well within their authority to pursue the leads and methods already underway. About a week after Mr. Comey's July announcement that he was recommending against any prosecution in the Clinton email case, the FBI sought to refocus the Clinton Foundation probe with Mr. McCabe. Oh, that's right. That's the guy whose wife, Terry McAuliffe, gave like half a million dollars plus two to run for a state Senate seat right around when all this stuff is going on, by the way. Side note, I'm sure. The FBI sought to refocus the Clinton Foundation probe with Mr. McCabe deciding the FBI's New York office would take the lead. Um, And I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, here we go. The Washington field office, FBI officials decided, would focus on a separate matter involving Mr. McAuliffe. Mr. McCabe had decided early in the spring that he would continue to recuse himself from that probe, given the governor's contributions to his wife's former political campaign. So McAuliffe is paying off the wife, which means that McCabe has to recuse himself. By the way, recusal is, you know, recusal is something that someone does. He's still in the FBI. He's very senior. He still talked to anybody about anything he wants there. Can still exert pressure. There's a show that I would I think some of you would like. Most of you probably like called Billions. I think it's on Showtime or Cinemax. I've been watching it. It's about the showdown between a mega hedge fund manager, sort of a hedge fund superstar guy worth, you know, tens of billions of dollars and or at least billions of dollars. And the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York who's currently pre Barrara in real life. But in this case, it's played by Paul Giamatti. Uh, I forget the guy's name in the show. And they are having a you know, they are having a total total showdown there. And one thing that you see very it it, it brings to light all the decision making processes as you go along here. And, you know, some people some people get to skate, some people don't. And. The prosecutor, the U.S. attorney, Paul Giamatti, recuses himself because his wife works for the uh, the firm where the individual they're trying to get, this guy Axe, for Axelson, it's called Axe Capital is the name of the hedge fund. And it's sort of an analogy, it reminds me of some of the very, the very, very big hedge funds based out of uh, Connecticut, uh, some of whom have been the targets of inside information, uh, criminal you know, proceedings investigations and such and Paul Giamatti recused himself because his wife is actually a psychologist of sorts a sort of internal I don't know mental health coach at this hedge fund 
but he's still meeting with his senior team and coaching them along and telling them what to do and what not to do and, and who's going to call him on that. And he's not, he's not breaking the law. It would be bad for him if, if it was found out that he was still involved in this. But recusal is a voluntary process. And whenever you're talking about a voluntary process, you're in the area of discretion. And when you're talking about discretion, it means that people are allowed to get away with stuff. They can make the decisions they want to make. So sure, sure, McCabe, this now number two at the FBI, recused himself from all this. But his wife was clearly getting sweet treatment from McAuliffe. McAuliffe was under investigation by the FBI. And he recused himself from the McAuliffe investigation, but he also stepped away from both his wife's campaign, he says, fine, that I, I sure, it seems true enough to me, and anything having to do with the Clintons. Do you really think the number two guy at the FBI doesn't, you know, he's, he's what's, what's he doing when all this Clinton investigation stuff's going? It's just, he's not talking to anybody? He no no involvement whatsoever, right? Totally, totally just pulled away from the whole investigation. Of course, publicly he has to do that. I don't know if he I don't know if he was in really in in good faith, completely removed from the investigation. And and none of us will ever really know that unless people in the FBI come out and talk. And some of them are talking now, but who knows with them? Okay, but I just want to point out in the show Billions, it is a storyline that the U.S. attorney has a conflict of interest with his wife, working at a firm that's the target of a criminal investigation. And he recuses himself, but he doesn't really recuse himself. That's a thing that can happen. Wait, are his own people going to call him out on this? He's just trying to help them win the case. The recusal is for a public consumption. You don't think that could happen in real life? Where do you think they get these ideas for these shows? Okay. So within the FBI, oh, I'm not the only one who's skeptical. Back to this Wall Street Journal piece. Within the FBI, the decision was viewed with skepticism by some who felt the probe would be stronger if the foundation and McAuliffe matters were combined. Others, particularly Justice Department anti-corruption prosecutors, felt that both probes were weak based largely on publicly available information and found little that would merit expanded investigative authority. Uh, According to a person familiar with the probes, remember, people are speaking now. Now they're talking to the Wall Street Journal. Now they're willing to tell the story. Because I think it was just they just couldn't stomach it anymore. Just had to choke down all this crap from the Clintons and they just weren't willing to do it. Some people weren't really. Of course, others are cheerleaders for this whole thing. Here's the Wall Street Journal piece says, according to a person familiar with the probes on August 12th, a senior Justice Department official called Mr. McCabe to voice his displeasure at finding that New York FBI agents were still openly pursuing the Clinton Foundation probe during the election season. Mr. McCabe said that agents still had the authority to pursue the issue as long as they didn't use overt methods requiring Justice Department approvals. The Justice Department official was, quote, very pissed off, according to one person close to Mr. McCabe, and pressed him to explain why the FBI was still chasing a matter the department considered dormant. Others said the Justice Department was simply trying to make sure the FBI agents were following longstanding policy, not to make overt investigative moves that would be seen as trying to influence an election. Are you telling me that I need to shut down a validly predicated investigation, Mr. McCabe asked, according to people familiar with the, uh, with the conversation. After a pause, the official replied, of course not. Oh, yeah, of course not. DOJ was trying to shut this thing down, everybody. The Department of Justice was trying to tell the FBI 
that FBI investigators needed to back off of the Clinton Foundation corruption investigation. This is not even the Clinton classified emails scandal. Why is this surprising? It's not. Why are we just finding out about it now? The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to our three in the Freedom Hut. Donald Trump is speaking right now at a rally in Michigan. Wanted to take it for a couple minutes. The Go. The border crisis is the worst it's ever been. It's a national emergency. They also warn that America's plan under Hillary Clinton is the most radical proposal. Quote. Radical proposal in U.S. history. When I become president, we will end illegal immigration, deport all criminal aliens. We have people in this country that are serious, serious criminals. And we will put America first. You know, so far has been pretty good, actually. I was listening to some of the rough people. And we want to deport the people while she's Secretary of State. And they bring these people back to their countries. And the countries, very intelligently, they said, no, we don't want a murderer. No, we don't want a drug dealer. We don't want the head of a gang in This Los is true, Angeles. actually, what he's saying now. We they don't, don't take people back that we want They'd them to take back. They call up the Secretary of State's office. They said, oh, that's okay. Bring them back. So we release them right into our country. We're supposed to deny visas How to these countries when they do that. We don't do that. Way. And I promise you. I, it's well known. I promise you, whether it's four years or eight years, we'll figure that out. There won't be one time, there won't be one time when any of these thugs come back into our country. Not one time. Again, this is a U.S. law we right now. Is that these countries have to take criminal aliens back, and they don't do it, and we don't punish them as a mechanism in place. We need a new foreign policy that puts America first, and we're going to have it very, very quickly. Hillary led us to disaster in Iraq, in Syria, in Libya. Then after Benghazi, she looked the families of the fallen in the eye and lied. She blamed their deaths on a video, which was a lie. Not only is it a lie, she told one of the parents that they were going to get the guy who made the video. Remember when she came back to Bosnia? Under fire, remember? Oh. Yeah, she lied about being under sniper fire in Bosnia, also true. Serious lie. Under fire, remember? But they had a video clip. She landed, and these beautiful little girls were handing flowers. And she came under fire. Turned out not to be true, and she apologized. She apologized. But you have to ask her, the media have to, the, the most dishonest people, they have to ask her. 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 
So when Donna Brazil, who I told you just got fired, when Donna Brazil gave her the questions to the debate, asked this question to her, why didn't she report it? She accepted those questions. She accepted those questions to the debate. She had the questions to debate. Forget about Donna. I don't care about Donna Brazil. Why didn't Hillary Clinton report that she was given, essentially unethically, probably illegally, why didn't she report that she had the questions? Because, all right, we can stop there. Because Hillary Clinton is a cheater. It's who she is. She always seeks out unfair advantage. She seeks to exert pressure to find a way to use the system to her benefit, to crush those who stand in her way. That is who she is. Um, that is who we are dealing with as the Democrat nominee. And I have to say, when, when Trump talks about some of this immigration stuff, it's unsettling to me that this is considered radical talk. It bothers me that Trump uh, saying things like we're going to deport criminal aliens who, who are convicted, never mind the fact that they're not supposed to be in the country in the first place under federal law. They're committing additional crimes and somehow not being deported. And some of the countries that are actually their countries of citizenship refuse to take them. And we have a mechanism in place to punish those countries. We're supposed to say, okay, you don't take them back. No more visas from your country to come to the United States. You know, for countries like Honduras and, you know, Nicaragua, and you know, name a Central American country, that's going to get their attention pretty fast. Same thing with Mexico. Same thing with any country. You know, someone from Southeast Asia, someone from Eastern Europe, someone from, you know, jolly old England. Who cares? Anybody who is a criminal, who is, who is no longer welcome in this country, has committed an illegal act in addition to their illegal status, which is why my mind immediately went to the places where we have the greatest number of illegal aliens in this country. Look, they've changed the language. You don't even hear people say illegal, illegal alien anymore. It's now, it's like considered a form of hate speech or something. You can't say illegal alien, even though that's what, in federal statutes, that's how it's written, that's how it's described. They've managed to shift the debate in that way. And that's a profound shift. That is not a minor, insignificant thing. That is a major thing. To change the very words we have to use when talking about this. But that this is considered extreme for Trump to say. What does that tell us about where the Democrats really are on those issues? On specifically the issue of immigration. I mean, the Democratic Party is effectively now... uh, What is open borders? You have to define that. If open borders means basically anyone could come here and basically anyone can stay, doesn't mean that you you know you don't have to get uh, you know they don't they don't check you in or something or you gotta like write down your name somewhere when you come into the country whatever I don't know you know thumbprint it or something doesn't necessarily mean that we have no borders no I mean they want these are status they want control they probably want to. Take money out, take money from people, you know, some people as they come into the country. They want to take money from productive people, from those who actually are going to be uh, adding to the economy and those who have assets when they come to the country. They want to control who comes and goes, but everyone can come and go. That to me is open borders. And that's where the Democrats are. And not just come and go, come and stay. Come and stay. 
And this goes to the, the, the core of what I think bothers so many of the people who are willing to support Trump over Hillary, why they just refuse to accept the Democratic Party establishment in power, even if it means supporting a candidate that many of us obviously find imperfect as an understatement. And it's that the Democrats are willing to allow the character of this country to erode. They're, allow, they're, they're willing to change the citizens of this country, in a sense. They're willing to give up our unique political culture. Right? Because every society, every country, and in every country there is there's a society that it, it tries to self-perpetuate. Right? We try to propagate through culture and law and shared history and values you try to continue what it is that you have. That's the, that's the status quo for most countries, right? Of course, I know there are revolutions and there are competing forces within countries. And, but overall, there is a certain sense of self that people have within a polity, within a political union, whether it's we're talking about even the nation state sense or pre, pre-1648 Westphalia world, doesn't matter. Any political union that exists where people think that they belong, they are a citizen of something or they are a member of some political, some group that has political power that is cohesive and that use and that has a a, a monopoly on force or at least seeks a monopoly on force. You can't change the citizens without changing the polity. If and you can take this at, at any level, I mean, if you took. A country, let's say, we'll make it sort of small. In a country like Belgium with a few, I don't know, however million, in the millions. I shouldn't have picked Belgium because I actually don't know how many people live in Belgium off the top of my head. I think there may be, hold on. You know, I want to know this. How many people, this is live radio, everybody. How many people in Belgium? I think it's like four or five million maybe. I'm way off. 11 million, my bad. 11 million in Brussels. So I was at about half the number. Um. I should have I should have just Googled it and not guessed. Now I now I see I was actually wrong at that time, even when I thought I was wrong. That makes me sad. Uh, Eleven million people in Belgium. If you brought in three million, or let's say let's say two million uh, Syrian immigrants into Belgium, and that they and you made them citizens, that would have a notable impact on the character and future of that country, right? Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing is irrelevant right now. It would it would change things. And especially when you when you look at the uh, rates of reproduction for immigrants across Europe versus native born Europeans, it would only be a matter of time if you brought in. I mean, two million would be a huge number. But but the Germans brought in a million much bigger country, I understand. But we're just looking at the numbers here to make a point. You bring in two million and within a generation or two, you're going to have. Close to a majority of the country. Uh, is going to maybe three generations. I don't know. I'm, I'm making up the numbers here just to make a point. But you'd have a majority Muslim Arab population in Belgium. Is that the same? Is, is Belgium the same country now? You'd say, well, Buck, won't they adopt the uh, won't they adopt the cultures, norms, values of the home country? Well, th- that's where that's the magic of assimilation. Is that's what's supposed to happen? That's what's been happening in this country for a long time. But those who actually understand our history know that there have been pauses in our immigration. It hasn't just been you can you get here, you can stay. There have been waves. We take a bunch of people. Okay, let's chill for a bit. Let's let assimilation take place. Let's let's appropriate some culture. Let's take some ideas and food and art and contributions from people from all over the world 
but they will also Americanize and their children will be American and we will and that will happen. And that's been the way it is in this country. And then, of course, in 1960, uh, they changed they changed the basic formula so that it became let's bring in people primarily from the third world and let's make anybody who's already here who wants to bring in more of their family the prime mover for our immigration policy. That's that's going to be the primary uh, in terms of the numbers and the way it's all set up. It's going to benefit those who are here by allowing them to bring their families to join them. And this is changing the makeup of this country. You look at the numbers for how many are first generation and how many immigrants currently live in this country and America. It does feel like it's changing because it is. Um, and that's that's not to be anti-immigrant. It's just there should be some understanding of the impact that immigrants have on our culture and on our future. And we should be able to look and say, well, we want the best of the best. You know, if we're if we're so racist, then Canada's insanely racist because Canada has a point system. Every other developed country in the world has control over their immigration policy one way or another. I should say, with the exception of the Europeans, because of the Schengen Agreement and the E, but that's causing huge tensions there. And a lot of countries are saying, "Sorry, I don't want a bunch of bureaucrats in Brussels telling me, as you know, the, the Prime Minister of Hungary or something, we've got to take in a half a million or even a hundred thousand or whatever the number is Syrian refugees. Not going to fly." Never mind a country like Japan, where they basically don't take immigrants. We never talk about that, but this is not this is not something. They're just not interested in that. Thanks. Um, and there are there are others as well that have very strict policies about this. You know, if Monaco would offer me citizenship, I think you don't pay any taxes there, and you're in the you know south of France in the Mediterranean. I'd probably I love America. I'd probably give it some thought, but I'm not a millionaire, so I don't think Monaco is going to extend me citizenship anytime soon. Plenty of places. Plenty of places control their immigration policies much, much more strongly. We take in we make a million new Americans every year legally in this country, a million every single year. And we have many fantastic immigrants and we like legal immigrants and we celebrate legal immigrants. And that's great. But that's a substantial number. I mean, we're, we're you know, America's doing its part to sort of Americanize more and more people or make more and more Americans. Not just the old fashioned way, but, you know, with making babies. We're bringing in people, making them Americans. We're already doing that in huge numbers, a million every single year. And they say that illegal immigration right now is you know, low, but there are also reports that there's kind of been a spike because everyone knows that if you're going to get here, you want to get here while uh, you want to get here before Hillary's in charge. Um, so they, you know, they understand that they've heard it through the grapevine. There's an understanding that you, you want to get here now. And when Trump speaks about this, he's a monster. He's uh, he's evil. He's bigoted. He's hateful. And, you know, I, I know he said about he said the thing about Mexicans crossing the border and everything. And it was an it was an ill-advised, overly broad statement. But with the overall thrust of his immigration policy is, to me, entirely sensible. And what's even what's really unsettling is that that's not more widely recognized. That we need to control who comes, we need to control who goes, and that it needs to be in the best interest of the citizens already here. It's, we, are, we are not the world soup kitchen, we are not a gerent, well, we are not a, a giant charity. Um, we exist, or rather our immigration policy should exist to benefit Americans just like it does in many other developed first world countries with really nice people who are thoughtful and, and you know want to love their fellow man 
uh, and do all the good things that one can do, but they also don't want their countries to be uh, dissolved over time because assimilation is overwhelmed and because the bonds of affection between citizens are overridden by this culture of political correctness and this idea that a multicultural ethic isn't going to put a strain on a society when it clearly does. We'll talk about the national security side of this in a second, too. We'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. This from the Daily Mail. Exclusive from our friend Ed Klein. We'll have to see if Ed can come on the show later this week, uh, if he has the time to tell us about this. Resignation letters piling up from disaffected FBI agents. His wife urging him to admit he was wrong. Why Director Comey jumped at the chance to reopen the Hillary investigation. What? couple things here. First of all, I have noted in, in the past, we've talked about this, that uh, you don't usually see resignations from anybody in the federal government. The health care is just too good. And, uh, you know, the paycheck's pretty nice. You just don't see people resigning from federal government jobs unless they're young and they want to sort of, you know, chase their chase their dreams outside the federal government. But it, once you've been in for a certain period of time, yeah, you're, you're basically making six figures, and you've got a. It's pretty cush. You got nice, nice benefits. And look, you're never going to get rich, but you're never going to be poor. You know, you're never going to you're never going to miss a meal. You're never going to have to worry about paying the mortgage. If you're in the federal government, you're you're good to go at a certain level, and then maybe afterwards you can cash out after your career. There, are very few people leave. I left, but that's a whole different story that we've talked about before. People tend not to leave. And they definitely don't resign on principle. It's a rare thing. And I had heard rumors stretching back to last spring that there would be resignations over the Hillary investigation or that people were threatening. Really around June, I think, was when I was hearing it. And I said, I don't, I don't think so. You're not going to see any of that happen. Uh, people like to talk a big game, but then when push comes to shove, you really want to go out there and find a private sector job over this? It's not your fault. So I'm very curious to see if we can get a little more confirmation of this, that there are members of the FBI who there are agents in the FBI who are leaving and are leaving because they're disgusted with the whole Comey situation. Uh, As I've said to you, they didn't. It's not that Hillary was going to get decades in prison for this. I know people have said that, but that was never going to happen. But based on other cases, you would think that she would have, you know, been pressured to take a plea. And the plea may have meant no jail time, but, you know, suspended security clearance. And but there, but there would have been some consequences. She faced nothing. And by the way, the way they get someone to take a plea deal is to threaten them with the decades in prison. That's how this stuff usually works. It's do you want to go to jail for 20 years or do you want six months house arrest and suspended clearance and pay a hundred fifty thousand dollar fine? Something like that. Most people go with, you know, door number two. But for Hillary, there was never any threat of anything. So she didn't have to take a deal, didn't have to take any consequences. I'm very curious to see if this is true, that the FBI, that the, if this initial reporting is true, there are, are resignations that have happened in the FBI over the, Comey, over the Comey decision to sort of speak out 
on behalf of Hillary initially. Uh, uh, and man, if I would love to hear from some of those FBI agents, you know, we had John Fundon before who was saying that people have reached out to him. I, I'll reach out to some people I know in the bureau. I want to know if this is true, and if it is true, and they've left the FBI, I think they have a duty to speak up. I think they have a duty to come forward and say, look, the fix was in, and they're trying to help Hillary get elected. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Team, let's uh, switch gears and get into a buck brief. You are entering the Blaze Threat Ops Center. This is a secure space. All outside comms are down. Prepare to receive the buck brief. We're joined by Dr. Sebastian Gorka. He is the author of Defeating Jihad, and you can also read his analysis and more at thegorkabriefing.com. Dr. Gorka, great to have you. Uh, great to be back on the show. We're, we're in a secure zone, not a safe zone, right, Buck? Indeed. There are no safe zones in the Freedom Hut, sir. Good. Uh, so, Good. so tell me, uh, I, I want to ask you first, if I could, I want to get into Mosul and the offensive there, but um, one thing that's been coming up a fair amount last, uh, well, the entirety of, of the campaign, but certainly the last few weeks, is fitness to be commander-in-chief. Uh, what for you is... If you're, if you're making the case against Hillary Clinton, what comes to mind first and foremost as to why you think she's the lesser choice, even despite all the flaws that one might find in Trump, for commander-in-chief? Just two things. I mean, the, the list could be as long as your arm. You just read Clinton Cash or, or watch the video version on YouTube. But just two things, Buck. Number one, you as a former operator understand that if you, if, if you just won put top-secret compacted information, so, so TSSCI, SAP information, on a private, unsecure server, uh, you should be in prison. You should be charged with a felony, and you should be banned from any public office ever again. The fact that she did it again and again and again, as the director of the FBI has demonstrated, should preclude her from, from running for any office, let alone commander-in-chief. Um, so that's bad enough. On top of that, So you can talk about carelessness and everything else. But if you look at intent, when she was Secretary of State, the fact that as uh, the most senior diplomat in America, she had to sign off on the deal to sell 20% of our uranium to Russia, uranium being used to make nuclear weapons. Um, She agreed to that sale to companies that belonged to the Kremlin at the same time that her husband received $140 million speaking fee from those same Kremlin companies. That's that's actually the definition of corruption. That's the definition of pay for play. Those two things, for me, Buck, are the most egregious reasons why she's not fit to serve. Do you think that, and I know that we haven't yet seen, and the FBI is going to take a matter of weeks, I'm told, to really go through these emails that have been added into the mix by that Comey's mentioned on Friday. Uh, do, do you think that there could, my, my problem is there already was classified 
that was on her server. There's no question about that. Over a hundred instances, and as you point out, even some yeah. some uh, special access program information on her private server. People emailing about it. So even if they found that on Huma Abedin's computer. I don't know what the threshold is for bringing charges against Hillary Clinton with regard to classified information. I, I don't understand how that could uh, tell us anything other than what we already know, which wasn't enough for, for the DOJ to bring charges in the first place. But but I might be missing something. What do you think? Well, look, the, the really sad thing is here, and you know as well as anybody else, uh, the argument was made uh, earlier this year that that she did do all of these things on more than 100 occasions, but there was no intent discovered by the FBI, and that is why they didn't advise the DOJ to prosecute, which is very, very strange, because if you read the statutes, if you read the code, this is one of the few laws in American federal code which says you do not have to demonstrate intent. Mere carelessness leads to the felony charge. So, yeah, this, is, um, this isn't about thresholds. It's about bending the law to protect certain individuals. Now, how do you think uh, – let's, let's just uh, play this out for a second. Why do you think the FBI came out and said what it said, or that, that Comey said what it said on Friday? Do you think that he was just doing what he had to under the circumstances? Or do you buy this line that there's been pressure building from agents and from people who are on the uh, investigation side of things – uh, that felt like the DOJ put the fix in, and they just couldn't stomach it anymore. I mean, or do you think it's a combination of those two things? Are you in big issues, there's, there's very rarely one univalent uh, answer for, for big issues. So, you know, I like the theory that Sean Hannity's come up with, that WikiLeaks is about to release something that the FBI knew, and they had to get out in front of it, or it would have destroyed the reputation of the Bureau even further. That's very plausible. But, but you know, you have your own contacts, and I have mine. And I've spoken to my friends inside the FBI who told me that at you know, particular field offices, the day when the first press conference was given by Director Comey, when he, he refused to press charges or to recommend an indictment, half the agents in the field office stood up from their desks on that Tuesday lunchtime, put on their jackets and left the office and didn't come back till Monday. Uh, Comey has another seven years as the director of the FBI unless he stands down. And, you know, it is not nice to run an organization where 50 percent of your employees have no respect for you. So it could be a desperate attempt for him to save his own reputation. So you you are you are hearing then also I've always thought this yes. may be true. You're hearing that there has been some revolt oh, yes. inside the FBI from field agents who feel like this is Absolutely. just a travesty. Absolutely. All right. I mean that we'll have to see what what comes out of these emails then. Let's get to, let's get an update on what's going on in in Mosul, Dr. Gorka. And by the way, everybody should go to thegorkabriefing.com for more national security analysis of all these things we're talking about. Uh, what's the latest on the effort to take Mosul uh, back from the Islamic State? Well, uh, it's a continuing scenario of what we expected in these kinds of irregular warfare theaters when you're fighting non-state actors like the Islamic State and, and allied jihadi organizations. It, it really, if you concentrate on one area the way they have been concentrating on Mosul for the last couple of weeks, you're very much squeezing a balloon. So you put pressure on one locality, and those jihadis that you can't locate or capture uh, in, in an urban environment, which is the deadliest of all, well, they will escape somewhere else. We've seen 
uh, response, kind of knee-jerk reaction of jihadi attacks in the north as a reaction to the Mosul uh, uh, operation. And on top of that, we see continually uh, the the fracturing or the potential fact fracturing of what is an incredibly fragile uh, heterogeneous group of forces that have been deployed. So remember, we have Sunnis from the Iraqi security forces deployed. We have the so-called Shia mobilization militias. We have the Kurds, and then we have our own brave men and women that are supplying uh, expertise uh, and training. That's a very, very um, diverse mix of players who in many cases have different interests when it comes to the future of Mosul and particularly to the future of Iraq. Do you think there's a distinct difference, uh, sort of now combining what we were talking about to start off the segment, Dr. Gorka, with what's going on in Mosul? What is the difference between how Trump and Clinton would uh, approach the Islamic State as you see it? Oh, an enormous difference, enormous difference. So for full disclosure, before uh, anybody took Mr. Trump seriously as a candidate, he, uh, he reached out to me and he asked me to advise him on some national security issues. So I'm not part of his campaign, but last year, last summer, we met and we talked national security on more than one occasion. And, and this is a man who, you know, whatever you think about his style or his you know, language, this is a man who truly believes we are at war. He believes the threat of jihad is the primary threat to the United States, and he wishes to be a wartime president who crushes groups like ISIS, al-Qaeda, and the domestic threat in America. So, you know, we would see a, a completely different approach. He's got amazing people like General Flynn advising him, Walid Ferris and others, uh, as opposed to a lady who was in part responsible for the rise of ISIS, whilst she assisted the Obama administration in, in what they called leading from behind, which in my dictionary is synonymous with following, uh, prepping the field for pulling out of Iraq in 2011. We, we have a woman who at best, at the very best, would be a third term of the disastrous foreign policy that we've seen under President Obama uh, in the last seven and a half years back. I think it's, it hasn't gotten enough, uh, enough attention that Hillary Clinton, when she was Secretary of State, met with the family of one of the fallen from Benghazi and told him that we're going to get the guy who made the video. Uh, this, to me, is so obtuse and also shows such a lack of understanding of the sort of roots of, of jihad and, and the reality of the enemy that we face. I feel like that's a much more disqualifying remark than it seems to have gotten credit for over the course of the campaign, never mind uh, various decisions that she she made or, or failed to make when she was Secretary of State, somehow she's been allowed to run as somebody with a sterling foreign policy resume. And I think it's much to the detriment of this discussion that there haven't been more voices pointing out that this is a woman who speaks about foreign policy like she's only ever been briefed on some of these things and never really thought very much about it. And more importantly, has made some very uh, grievous errors and said some just bizarre things while she was America's chief diplomat. Yeah, you're, you're going to the character of the individual, and, and I completely agree. Anybody who, you know, in her private emails to her daughter and to the Egyptian prime minister uh, states that this was a jihadi operation in Benghazi, and then a few days later can look into the face of one of the, the mothers or the wives of the people killed and talk about a video. Uh, I think, yes, you're right. That tells everything you need to know about this person. This person isn't interested 
in the United States. They're not interested in national security or the future safety of the republic. All they care about is whichever narrative will serve them at a given time. So, Hillary, you know, I think this is becoming more and more clear if you look at the polling data for everybody who's turning away from her right now after the, the latest Wiener Gate uh, disclosure. Uh, people are realizing the only thing that Hillary Rodham Clinton cares about is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Dr. Gorka, last one for you before we have to go into break here. And I don't want to push you into a conspiratorial direction. And I've been saying all along whatever I know, I, I really mean it. But I've been saying all along uh, as, as I've, I brought this up that it seems strange to me. And I, I would accept many different rationales for this or explanations. And I don't think anybody has a clear answer. But I wanted to know what your sense of this is. We were suffering a major terrorist attack a month. We being the West, our allies, America, Europe, or allied countries. Major ISIS or Al-Qaeda-inspired attack every month for about eight months. It's kind of gone quiet now. Do, do you think that there's something up? Is, is, is that strange to you, or should we just be happy that we're lucky and maybe some counterterrorism operations have gone well? What, what do you think about all that? Look, I, I think they've always had two uh, front lines. So if you're ISIS, uh, then there's, there's two front lines of fighting us uh, on. The first one is in our heartland, so what they call the far enemy, fighting us in, in Brussels, in Paris, in San Bernardino, in Orlando. And the second one is in, in theater. They have reestablished the caliphate. That's why they call themselves the Islamic State. So what I think right now, we've seen perhaps a temporary downturn in attacks but we're still arresting people don't forget new york don't forget new jersey that was 11 ieds in 24 hours thank the good lord only two of them detonated but that's a kind of you know beirut statistic 11 ieds in new jersey and new york but right now i think their focus their five meter target as they say uh, is to maintain the territory they are holding in libya syria and iraq so I, i think i think right now for them you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist it is a question of prioritizing your mission sets. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is the author of Defeating Jihad. You can read more of his analysis at thegorkabriefing.com. Dr. Gorka, always great to have you. Thanks for calling in. Pleasure. All the best and to you and your listeners. Uh, team, we'll be back right after this break. Beck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Joe in San Francisco, you're on the Buck Sexton Show. What's up? Shields high, Buck. Shields high. Hey, did I hear you earlier persecute the Christian woman down in Brazil a little bit? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, she said something about that, right? I forget now what the quote was. She did, yeah. She said she understood persecution as a Christian woman. I think when, I don't remember who it was she was talking to, but... uh, so, you, uh, well, you should look into the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's interesting. Um, big ship that went down in the mid-'70s and immortalized in song by Gordon Lightfoot. So there's a lot of interesting trivia around that. Um, and then uh, on, on the Clintons and the email scandal and the FBI coming out, at first I, I've long agreed with you that I don't think anything was going to come of it, but it seems to be spreading out a little bit and, you know, 
you said there would be no evidence of criminality. However, maybe these new emails might contain irrefutable Oh, no, I've never said there's no evidence of criminality. I said there would be no new evidence that would bring <laughs> charges. I mean, there's there's evidence of criminality They'll be if there's classified on yeah. there, but... That's not the same. Right, Remember, right. there's no such thing as a crime if there's no prosecutor, you know, in a sense, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this is true, but there's no such thing as a crime if a prosecutor refuses to press charges. That's, that's the reality right, right, of how right. our justice system works. Yeah, they can I always mean, not well, bring charges. What I, what I meant to say was that the, the evidence that could come to light could, could be the intent element of it. So that if there's an email that went to Huma in which Hillary said, I need to hide these emails or something like that, or I need to hide the server. Now, you know, maybe Huma might fall on her sword for Hillary, but I don't think Anthony Weiner would. And so who knows, maybe they might be able to lean on somebody, but it seems like it's getting wider and wider and they could certainly find someone to prosecute. I don't know if Huma wound up getting immunity, um, but you know, maybe yeah, we'll if they see, lean man. on someone, it'll create a domino effect. Joe from San Fran. Great to talk to you, my friend. Shields high. Show is coming to a close today, tomorrow, and every other day this week. We'll obviously be live from the Freedom Hut. Tell a friend about the show. And until tomorrow, my friends, my colleagues, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.